0: To be able to take it to that next level, that's what I'm excited about.
1: goes over the middle, wide open, across the five, he's in, touchdown Houston! Fires underneath, this is intercepted, back-to-back possessions with picks for this Texans defense. Takeaway number three on the day.
2: Game day is every day. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. <laughs> now, it's Texans All Access.
1: Well, hello, Texans. Good evening. We are live. It is a beautiful thing to have you with us tonight. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you, along with, because it's Thursday night, and this is just the way we roll on Thursdays, the General John McClain, SportsRadio610.com, GallerySports.com. We also have a two-hour show tonight. Second hour, we'll get you caught up on some of the things Lovey Smith had to say this week and Nick Casario and a little Andre Johnson preview from... Something we're going to have, a little special visit tomorrow night. But he comments on the rookies tonight. You want to hear that. Also, what Tremont Smith had to say about the difficult week for all NFL players, but none other. I mean, really, DeMar Hamlin, what he has been through this week and what he's going through right now, highly encouraging news today as he is doing A lot better than he was. He's not out of the woods yet. He's still on a ventilator, but he's able to communicate. It is outstanding news. And, gentlemen, good evening. And, John, let's start here, General, as we get into the improvement of DeMar Hamlin. What a positive sign. And I think everybody kind of has chills about this. It's so good to hear.
3: He was dead during the game. And the doctors that did the news conference today pointed out that the Bills – Trainer, I can't remember his name, is the one that went out and performed CPR, saved his life, and then before the other medical people could get out there. And you know, as hard as a beating, he had no pulse, they saved his life. What I would love to know, and we'll know this pretty soon, is when he was coherent enough for his parents to tell him, Son, that twenty five hundred dollars you were trying to raise for toys, uh, guess what it is now? I think it's over seven million. He's going to be blown away. The doctor said now the key thing is to get him out of the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, get him back to Buffalo where he can start to do rehab. Nobody has a clue if he'll be able to play again. But, boy, the medical personnel did an incredible job. And I, I just know the NFL is going to be honoring them at the Super Bowl. General, had
2: you ever seen anything like that in your life? What's the closest thing, if you hadn't seen anything, what's the closest thing that you'd ever seen or experienced that was anywhere near what DeMar Hamlin uh, went through on Monday Night night Football?
3: Well, Dr. James Munch and others saved Gary Kubiak's life on the sideline at halftime in 2013. I've seen a lot of players get the wrong hit and end up being uh, partially or permanently paralyzed. And uh, hopefully, him will be able to come back and lead normal life, maybe even play again. I saw Chris Bronner, the former NHL player, he got hit in the chest, and all this happened to him. He was on ESPN explaining the whole thing that happened to him. Now, he was able to come back to play, and I believe there was a soccer player that needed 70 minutes of CPR administered to him on the pitch, and he was able to come back eventually. So football, of course, It's such a rough game. You never know. You know he's going to want to play again. And even though players' insurance, this is if you're vested, runs out five years after you retire, I would imagine he's going to be taken care of as long as he needs to be taken care of. And it seems kind of callous to to think about the playoffs, but the fact is there are reports they're going to cancel that game. I could never – Began, which means if Kansas City beats the Raiders in Las Vegas, they're going to get home field advantage again. And uh, the Bills, of course, had beaten Kansas City, and we're hoping at worst to get a tie with them so they'd win the head to head tiebreaker. And odds are that's not going to happen. John
1: McLean joining us. General, let's get into it then. And it's just so great, DeMar Hamlin's improving for so many different reasons. and, it's you know it's going to be like Adrian and Rocky too maybe I mean he can really inspire the Bills and and they're going to want to win for him and for each other and for the fan base, but that game not being resumed is one thing. The competition committee is reportedly meeting as we speak to go over seating. So what do you think is the best way to get it done? Is it winning percentage? Is it one of these ideas where you let eight teams in each? conference now based on this because it's unprecedented and why not do it the way you did it in 1982 when you had that nine game strike shortened season what are your thoughts on maybe some of the best ways to approach this as they seed the playoffs
3: you want to approach it in the manner in which it affects the least amount of people and you want to do what's best for the player Players want to play. You know, once they know he's not going to die, they want to play. They're great about compartmentalizing, whether it's an injury, the death of a loved one, um, contract situation, trade, um, being lost for the season. They just have a knack for it because they've been doing it for so long. And you know the Bills want to play, and they want to play for tomorrow. And I, I do a weekly show in San Antonio, which is cowboy country, and I said, there's a lot of your listeners don't want to hear this, but right now the Buffalo Bills are America's team. And I think when teams, when fans' teams are eliminated, they'll become Bills fans because everybody will be pulling for the Bills. What a story it would be if they could win for DeMar, win a Super Bowl, first time ever after losing four in a row, or even just get there. And it'll be very, very emotional for them, and at some point – Maybe he's able to come back and sit on the bench or come back and address the team somehow, but it will be incredibly emotional for the Bills. And uh, we'd all love to see him play 17 games, but, boy, it's going to be tough. And the truth is, if you cancel those games, that works against the Bengals and the the, uh, Bills. Somebody said, because that game doesn't exist, the Bengals would win the division over the Ravens. The Ravens beat them twice. Well, I think we all would agree right now the Bengals are a hell of a lot better than the Ravens. It looks like Lamar Jackson's not going to play again. And, uh, and so Cincinnati is the best team. I'm not sure. It's a three-team race between Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. And then in the NFC, it's going to be San Francisco and Philadelphia. Now, you know, people, Cowboy fans are hoping. But, you know, it's been 26 years since they've been in the Super Bowl, but who's counting? Nobody's counting on Minnesota, even though they're 12 and 4, but they're negative. They got a negative point ratio. So I think the AFC is much better than the NFC. There's going to be so much interest. And I think the best thing is to do is just like it would be a tie.
2: Man, General, AFC South Championship game is this weekend. We'll get to that in a second. But you mentioned Lamar Jackson. What do you think happens in Baltimore? Do you think, I don't want to say the worm has turned at all, but I know I was thinking, okay, they'll just, they'll get it done. It'll get to the last minute in the summer and they'll get it done. But I just, I don't know, maybe it's the vibe I'm getting. What do you think happens with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore?
3: He wanted all guaranteed money like Watson. They weren't going to do it. They told him Watson's an outlier. And so if they don't get it worked out, they can just franchise him. They can franchise him two years in a row. And I was watching speculation from former players on ESPN yesterday that he's protecting himself for his contract. Now, I can't imagine that because he's such a competitor. He suffered a knee injury. And John Arbaugh never has anything new. fact is, he's not practicing. If he doesn't practice, he's he's not going to play. Now, maybe he'll come back in the playoffs and lead them to a C- Super Bowl victory. But, you know, he didn't actually, Aaron Judge, it bet on himself, and then come back and have his best season because of the injury. But everything I hear, they want to re-sign him. He's respected and beloved by his teammates and the coaches. And I, it, But he, unless he comes down and his demands, not having an agent hurts him too, then they just might be franchised next year. By the way, I'm going to ask you guys questions. I sent a column on gallerysports.com in which I picked my postseason awards and told why, and uh, because next week the AP All-Pro team, they vote on it uh, two days after the season ends. So I'm going to ask both of you. Mark first, who's your MVP?
1: MVP of the NFL, General. I really haven't thought about this much, but I would say it's probably Brock Purdy. No, I'm kidding about that. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes.
3: Me too. John?
2: I'll go Jalen Hurts.
1: I think Jalen did a was,
3: job with Philly. Missed, until he missed two games, I just couldn't pick him. for missing two games, and everybody else has gone the distance, offensive player of the year, which I always make sure is not a quarterback, certainly not the MVP. I picked Justin Jefferson, the receiver from the Vikings.
2: Yeah, I'll go with that one, General. I think it's Justin Jefferson. I I think that's a good one. You know, there have been years where, obviously, the running game, you know, Derrick Henry in 2020 or 2021, uh, Jonathan Taylor – I'm sorry, 2020 for Henry. 2021, Jonathan Taylor was tremendous. Um, But I think Justin Jefferson's proven that he is arguably the best non-quarterback in the league this year. He's been incredible.
1: Mark? Okay, so let's do this here. I want to know – what you think, Johnny brought up the AFC South championship game. Wait uh, a minute. Game. I'm
3: asking you for your pick.
1: <laughs> oh, wait. what? My MVP? I gave you Patrick Mahomes. No, we're but doing offensive, offensive player, player of the year.
3: We yeah, both took I, Justin no Jefferson.
1: Way. Yeah, there's no way I'm uh, not picking Justin Jefferson, all right? because uh, that, Okay, that one more. Right there. I don't
3: want to confuse you because you're so caught up in the AFC South. <laughs> your defensive okay. player of the year, mine was Nick Bosa.
2: Yeah, I, General, I I'll think go, about I, it. I think Nick Bosa is probably that guy. If it's not him, uh, Micah Parsons is is probably right there. Um, I think Fred Werner's had a pretty good year for the 49ers, but I, I think Bosa's been unbelievable, to be honest. That,
3: Mark?
1: That... I'm going to go with Jalen Petrie, actually. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I like Bosa too. Look, we always go for the, guy, the sexy stats, right? The guys. With the sacks. And, hey, how about Hassan Reddick finishing second in the league? Well, he might not finish that way. but Eagles he's have 68
3: right sacks.
1: Yeah. Eagles have been incredible. Four
3: guys in double figures.
1: Yeah. Eagles and have been incredible. he leads them. Yeah. And he leads them. And that's pretty strong stuff. So, my big, I up, know, I'll, my I'll big upset. As well. Okay, I'm going to jump in. New Jim. York
3: people are going to go crazy when I picked Aiden Hutchinson for defensive oh. rookie over Sauce Garden. Gardner, because Hutchinson not only has seven and a half sacks, he's got three interceptions more yeah. than Sauce Gardner. Yeah. Okay, AFC South, what do you want to know?
1: All right, here it is. Tennessee's getting some people back, including but not limited to Derrick Henry. They won't have Ryan Tannehill for the game. They're going to start Josh Dobbs. So you tell me, does Tennessee have a legit shot? I feel like they really do. I think this is a big moment for Jacksonville and. I would not be – I'm going to favor Jacksonville. I'm going to pick Jacksonville, but it would not surprise me. I I really am tempted to take Tennessee in this game. Not that I want to see them win it, but I think they can, and I think they're good game planners, and they'll be ready for this one.
3: I agree with you 100%. I did pick Doug Peterson as my coach of the year because if they win this game, they'll go from three wins to nine wins, and he's done a great job in a really bad situation with Urban Meyer and helping – turn around Trevor Lawrence, but Mike Grable's a great coach, as you guys know. Derrick Henry's had two weeks to rest. If they go in there and win, it won't surprise me, but I'm going with the Jaguars as well.
2: Yeah, I think the Jaguars are playing so much better. It's amazing in the division to play teams. You know, we played the Titans a little bit closer. It was eight weeks apart. Play the Jaguars 12 weeks apart, and it looked like a different team. I can only imagine what the, what the Colts are going to look like. General, when you look at the AFC South beyond this championship game and the things that are going to happen within the division with some key um, decision-makers being replaced. Obviously, Colts got to find a coach in Frank Reich. Uh, the Titans have got to find a GM to follow John Robinson. When you look at the AFC South and how it could – and then you got the quarterback situation. How many teams – do you think three of the four teams are with new quarterbacks next year? I think we asked you last week whether Derek Carr would be one of them, but I'm not going to ask you that. Who and what do you think those teams end up doing? As in, do they get a veteran? Do they get a rookie? How do they go about doing it in Tennessee and Indianapolis in particular?
3: Texans obviously need a quarterback. They'll use their top pick. I hope it's first overall on the quarterback they want. I hope it's Bryce Young. The Colts, I think, are tired of going veteran. They're going to be bad enough where they may have to trade up a little bit but they need to get a young quarterback that they can develop. Titans are more in line for an older one like Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, because of Derrick Henry. He's his birthday, 29 today, still going strong. They have a lot of veteran players, but, boy, their problem is not on defense. It's kind of like the Texans. Their problem is on offense. They need a lot of help on offense and starting at quarterback. And uh, so I think we're going to see significant changes on Titans' offense, On the Colts offense and the Texans offense, right now, as bad as the Colts have been, they're better than the Texans in offense, rushing, passing, defense, against the run, and against the pass. Texans are 12th against the pass. Colts are 10th. Texans have allowed the fewest touchdown passes in the league, 12. And uh, the the biggest discrepancy in these two teams – this is why the Colts have lost, what, six in a row. Uh, they're minus 13 in turnover differential, worse than the NFL. Texans are only minus one. Usually a team has got the worst record in the league, that's the one that's minus 13. And the Texans have done a great job. If Davis Mills ever learns how to hold the ball when he's running, they would have been plus.
1: It's a weird deal, General, this weekend. The Texans playing the Colts with both franchises in this state. And the last time it happened record-wise, similarly, was 2017. They both Ooh. finished 4-12. and But we all know the Colts swept the Texans that year. But here are the Colts. And it's very weird. Any predictions on how this offseason is going to go? Jeff, Saturday, no way. And also, I want to attach that. I'm going to attach this question to that one Frank Reich, will he be a head coach in the league next year or an offensive coordinator? Thoughts?
3: I think he'll be an offensive coordinator, work his way up back up to be a head coach, and I think he'd be a good one. He was a good one before. I'd love to have Frank Reich as my offensive coordinator. He did a great job coaching Philip Rivers as a quarterback coach, great job coaching Nick Foles as a quarterback coach under Doug Peterson, and plus he's a great guy. But I'm not so sure that we saw the quotes from Jim Harbaugh today, and to me, that's talking to recruits. If they said David Tepper in Carolina reached out to him, if Jim Ursay wanted Harbaugh to come back to Indianapolis, and he's in their ring of honor as a player, would he do it? Would he do it with an owner who meddles as much as Ursay does? I don't know. But if he really wants to come back to the NFL, you know, they do have a lot of talent on, on that team and that would be a good one to come back to because their biggest need, of course, is a quarterback and they'll be in position to draft one of the top guys, probably one the Texans don't draft.
2: General, I just got through getting caught up on Hard Knocks, which was uh, the J.J. special retirement. Um, I I just think they do such a good job with Hard Knocks, which leads me to this question. There's been some noise, and I think there was an article on ESPN, if that's where I saw it, about Cliff Kingsbury's future there with the Arizona Cardinals. He re-upped uh, either a year ago or two years ago. I can't remember. But he's under contract he for a run. number of years. What happens 2000-200. in Arizona? Is it over for Cliff? What do they do there with the Cardinals?
3: It's not his fault that he's had to play four quarterbacks because of injuries. It's not his fault that they don't have very good running game, that DeAndre Hopkins missed the first six games. Now he's hurt at the end of the season. It just depends on what Michael Bidwell, the owner, thinks he can get done if Kingsbury comes back, I feel like he's fired. I tweeted two days ago, they and m should wait and see what happens with Kingsbury and I hire him as a play caller and offensive coordinator. Instead, they go out and hire Bobby Petrino. And uh, Cliff, I think, will be an offensive coordinator, just a matter of whether it's going to be in college or he'll be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's a great guy. If you saw from watching the Hard Knocks, Some people think he needs to explode more and chew players out. That's not, that's not who he is. And they know that. And, uh, uh, he is a player's coach, but I, I think he's going to be fired. And I, even though he's going to have so much money because of that contract, it's amazing how many people sign contracts and get fired a year later. And, uh, he and Steve Kime both were extended and Kime of course, took a medical leave. Don't know if he'll be back there, but, uh, Uh, I'm I'm sure Kingsbury's going to land on his feet, whether it's as a head coach in college football or a coordinator uh, in the NFL.
1: It's interesting because we all know what happened last time he was a head coach in college football, but somehow this experience cleanses him to make him better next time around. But I get it. John McClain with us. General Andre Johnson, we were all there at the press conference today. He'll be on tomorrow night's Texans All-Access what is your gut reaction, gut feel? I'm using Johnny's terminology here to a degree on Andre's chances this year versus last year. This is a pretty crowded group in the finalists. What are you thinking?
3: When I presented Andre last year, I was worried about how the committee would take everything. When he made the cut from 15 to 10, and Reggie White and Tory Holt did not, even though Reggie White had Tony Dungy and Bill Polian on the committee pushing for him. I felt better. Now, when he didn't make the next cut to five to be inducted on the first ballot, I didn't, I wasn't surprised because the committee basically said, look, let's, we got a lot of people we need to take care of. Let's do it. Now, I see this group now. I think Joe Thomas and Jarrell Revis are locks that would leave three other spots. If he gets past the first cut with Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt, he's the only receiver again. And there's a lot of defensive players and and I and I keep Andre informed every step of the way about what I'm doing, who's going to help me, what numbers I'm using, and uh, and um, so in fact, in his answers today, he used some of my speech <laughs> thing about not about who he played with at quarterback, and and it's easy to argue against Reggie Wayne and Tory Holt, both of whom are deserving, but my God, they had all-fame receiver opposite them, all-fame quarterbacks, Torrey Holt had Hall of Fame, left tackle Hall of Fame, running back, Hall of Fame coach, Indianapolis had all, Peyton Manning, they had Marvin Harrison, Tony Dungy's in the Hall of Fame, Edger James is in the Hall of Fame, and Andre Johnson played with. The only Hall of Famer he'll play with is J.J. Watt.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, General, role play this. I'm a skeptic. Andre Johnson should not go in the Hall of Fame, which is not true. He should convince me otherwise
3: because um he has several important stats in which it's andre johnson and jerry rice andre johnson and marvin harrison and there's several stats in which he is ahead of other hall of fame receivers i wrote these in my story day on gallery sports.com and it's you know i'm giving away my presentation but that's okay because this is coming up in a couple of weeks and uh if you want to compare him to the greatest receivers in history or in the hall of fame he deserves to be in the hall of fame and while he didn't get to play with peyton manning and kurt warner the only receiver opposite him no receiver opposite him ever even had 900 yards Mm -hmm. much less played with isaac bruce and marvin harrison and his best quarterback ever was Matt Schaub, and in my presentation, oh, I go over all—I go over all of them.
2: Okay, oh, I'm convinced. Wait, I'm convinced he's going to Hall of Fame. You're going to vote for him? Of course, I am. Good. He's in my five. Got your
1: vote. Very nice, General. Your feeling about this week's game with the Colts? Who's going to take it on Sunday? You got to pick them all. So, who are you going to pick between the Texans and Indy on the road?
3: Well, on my Utopia podcast with Sean Pendergast, I picked them last week against the Jaguars to win, hoping they would lose. So I picked them beat Indy, hoping they'll lose, and get the first overall pick. And so I've been wrong on, I think, every – no, I've been right. I haven't been wrong much at all. I was wrong on the, the opening game because I picked the Colts, and then I was wrong on the tight. And uh, uh, who else did they beat the Jaguars the first time? I took Jacksonville. So I've been right on them a lot, and I hope I'm wrong the last two. No offense, but I want Nick Casario to have his choice, any player in the country. I don't want the Bears to have it being, opening, being open for bidding and seeing teams like Indianapolis give up enough to leak frog the Texans and get Bryce Young. And, or C.J. Stroud, because he's a great prospect as well. You know, let the Colts have Will Levis and Anthony Richardson.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens there. General, such a pleasure to catch up, as always, and, and great talking about the good news regarding DeMar Hamlin. We appreciate the time. What do you have going on on your various platforms, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610. I'm
3: writing a column on Gallery Sports tomorrow, five reasons that I have the Hogs, of the frogs upsetting Georgia, and the last one's going to be so mattress Mac Matt and win nine million. And then I've got one uh, on Andre Johnson that is uh, on Gallery Sports, and then on on SportsRadio610 dot com. Got a bunch of stuff about the Texans and Colts and the first overall pick and Lovie Smith's future and a lot of things about the Texans on SportsRadio610 dot com. Guys, thank you very much as always.
1: Thank you, General. Coming up, it's Who's Better Hall of Fame edition and some other current day stuff as well, as John Harris will give his thoughts. It's all coming up here on Texans Radio.
2: Texans Radio. The drive continues.
1: All right, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Great to have you listening. Let's do Who's Better, Johnny. And this is interesting. I'm going to say this. I'm gonna, We never do this. We never talk about who's more likely to win in the Texans matchup. We just stay away from that kind of talk. We talk about matchups. We talk about factors involved. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give you this. Who's better? Better chance to win Sunday. The Indianapolis Colts or the Houston Texans? I bring this up because I find it surprising from a Vegas standpoint that the Colts are favored in this game, despite the fact that they're starting Sam Ellinger. And I just get this vibe with the Colts that they're looking forward to tee times in Cabo. But maybe I'm wrong about that. And I know the Texans did not play well against the Jags, but I think the Tex- Texans can rise up one more time. Straight me out here.
2: Better chance to win. I'm not going to. I think you're you're dead on it. I think ESPN – the ESPN does one of those things uh, with their app where they they have like a, a pie and they cut it up percentage, like percentage chance of winning. And the Texans have a 74% chance of winning and the, and the Colts have a Ooh. 26% chance. So I th- I think it's – the Texans in large part because Sam Ellinger is still sort of a mystery for most people. Now, in the city of Houston, the state of Texas, people know – who Sam Ellinger is, they remember him as the Texas gutty, give him the ball on quarterback power run, uh, running back who played quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. But he is now starting for the third Yeah, third time. Commanders at home, he played well in a loss. Then he went on the road to the Patriots, and it looked awful. And then the other day, he got in against the Giants coming in for Nick Foles, and it wasn't great, but he threw his first touchdown. Now, he's back in a controlled environment inside. I think is going to be a problem just because he can make plays out of structure, and that's always tough. But you mentioned the Colts not wanting to be there, all right? Let's run this down real fast for the Colts, all right? Here we go. Okay, Follow with me. Tied the Texans in the first game, missed a f- game-winning 43-yard field goal OT. Got blanked in Jacksonville again where they haven't won forever. Beat – the Kansas City Chiefs, the potential number one seed in the AFC, wow. lost both games to the Titans, benched their former MVP quarterback, installed a first-time starter, fired their head coach and offensive coordinator, hired a head coach who would never coached in the NFL, turned an offensive analyst slash assistant into the play caller, reinstated the original starting quarterback, Upset the Raiders, lost two-score lead to former Colts OC and current Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni the next week. Gave up 33 points in the fourth quarter of the Cowboys, blew a 33-point lead, the largest bone lead in the history of the NFL to the Vikings. Lost all-pro running back Jonathan Taylor for the remainder of the year in that Vikings loss. Replaced the starting quarterback again with former Super Bowl MVP quarterback. Former Super Bowl MVP quarterback gets hammered and knocked out of a 28-point loss on the road. You don't think the Colts want this one to be over? Yeah, they want it to be over.
1: Very well put. Okay, who's better? Better Week 18 quarterback situation. (laughs) I can phrase it another way because you always (laughs) do it to me like this. You have one game to win. Who's your choice? Get ready for this multiple choice. Sam Ellinger, (laughs) Nathan Peterman, Sam Howell, Josh
2: Dobbs. You pick a guy to win for you. I know who you're going to pick here. Go ahead. Josh Dobbs. I think Josh Dobbs will, um, I think he played well the other night against the Cowboys. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Brock Purdy-like in the first game. But then again, Brock Purdy, he's got a ton of talent around him. uh, And Josh Dobbs was making do with nothing, really. I mean, there was nothing on that field with Josh Dobbs the other night. So, if they can get Traylon Burks back, if they can get Derrick Henry back, and they're a little bit healthier, then maybe they can do a little bit more. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is there's still going to be a lot of talent on that field for Tennessee that's been in big moments, that have been in AFC championship games, that have played in big games. There aren't very many on that side for the Jacksonville Jaguars that have. And the pressure has now shifted. The Jaguars have been going through this thing with no care in the world. I mean, they were, what, three and whatever they were, three and six, three and nine, I can't remember what it was. All of a sudden, they got hot. So, I mean, they've been playing with house money this whole time. And now, all of a sudden, the pressure's flipped. Now, they're the 7-point underdog. Yeah. They're the ones playing at home. They could get tight. And Josh Dobbs is the kind of quarterback that can do enough to make you frustrated. Now, I do think that Sam Howell's going to play. Uh, and, and and give it you know, the Sam Ellinger with better passing acumen sort of thing. And he'll push the Cowboys a little bit, but this is one the Cowboys got to have. Uh, I think the Commanders, after kind of the shenanigans the last few weeks of you know Heineke starts and then all of a sudden they go back to Carson Wentz and he looks like garbage, and now they're out of the playoffs and Ron Rivera didn't know whether – all that kind of stuff. So I think the Commanders are – you know, there's one foot out the door ready for that thing to be over, and the Cowboys got a lot to play for. Now, I think Howell will play, but I think Dobbs gives his team the best shot. Nathan Peterman, pff, forget it. Abs- just for- just forget it. Ellinger O'Battle, battle. I mean – he will battle. He'll he'll give the Colts a few plays. He just doesn't throw it well enough. Um, I think that's what what separates him uh, at this point. And he's got Michael Pittman Jr. and he's got out Pierce. Uh, Paris Campbell has done some things. He's got his tight end, so he's got his guys to throw to a little bit. But his offensive line. I mean, I don't know what happened on offensive line, but it's been garbage. And there's no Jonathan Taylor, and that was the identity of that football team. There's no Jonathan Taylor, so I'm gonna go with Josh Dobbs. I, I think Mike Vrabel's selling point this week is is. You know what, guys, we've had our losing streak. Nobody expects us to win. We are now the we're now right where we want to be, and that is the forgotten, the underdog. This is this is what we are. This is the Titans, and we're gonna rise up and win this one. So I'm gonna give Dobbs the edge in that.
1: All right, Johnny, let's continue with who's better. What's better? Better scenario to address the situation in the AFC, and we'll just go ahead and say there will be no makeup of Bengals Bills. So what's better, winning percentage, let eight teams in per conference and go without a buy and just go with 16 teams total making it to try to, quote, make it fair, or have that scenario where you get your choice if you're the top seed between home field throughout or a buy. What's the better scenario in your opinion?
2: I like the last one. I like that one. I like there, I like for there to be a choice. I think that would be really interesting. Do you want to buy or do you want to play at home? And I do think that both Buffalo and Kansas City, given their druthers, would probably pick playing at home because Buffalo's got a distinct weather advantage. Kansas City, think about this. What's Patrick Mahomes' record in playoff games away from Arrowhead Stadium? Uh, hasn't had to do it. <laughs> he hasn't had to do it. That's right. He's 0-0. Zero and zero. Yeah. The only road game he's played has been in the Super Bowl uh, in those playoff mm-hmm. games. So we don't even know what Kansas City would be on the road in the playoffs of Patrick Mahomes. We know they'd probably be pretty good. But I think they love the confines of, of Arrowhead. We have been in that situation. We have seen what that crowd is like at a divisional playoff round at at Kansas City. It's not pretty for the opponent at all. So from that standpoint, I think – both teams would probably pick. This is my guess. That they would probably pick. To um, to play at home. And Buffalo in particular. Because that advantage is, is distinct. Plus. If you look at the Buffalo situation. I, I mean obviously. We all know why they didn't finish the game on Monday. And we know what Buffalo has, has been through. But they played a quarter of that game. So I don't want to say they got their bye week there. But. They had yeah. an opportunity for three quarters to not get get any further banged up. So I'm curious what the NFL goes with at that point. I like the choice. I love that. I love them having the opportunity to say, what's more important, the bye or home field? That I, I absolutely love.
1: I cannot imagine not taking the option to skip a week. I automatically get into round two. I've got to take that option every time. I know I'm not going to get home field throughout, but jeez. That's hard to pass up. You know, meanwhile, the team with home field throughout could get bumped off week one, and they're yeah. out, so yeah, that no true. longer applies. I would always take the bye in that situation, yeah. especially since, well, as I'm about to talk myself out of it now. How <laughs> many times does the bye team not make it, right? It happens yeah. a lot. Absolutely. Uh, well, we, I say the buy team. You know, we've only been in this situation once but or uh, a few times. But here is the deal. I think that – it's too tempting not to take to be able to skip a week, like and just get automatic entry into the next round. Even though it doesn't work a lot of the time, it's hard to say. Yeah, I'm going to put my guys out there for a 60 minute game this weekend and take my chances that way. I think it's a very difficult decision. No, I, so I, it's tough. That, it's tougher than I.
2: You're right, Mark. It's tougher than I than I made it out. Thing is, in a, in a regular situation, you get the best of both worlds. You get the buy. 'Cause you have had the best regular season, you get to buy and you get to play at home for the remainder of it. So that that just you know goes to show you the other thing I, I wouldn't I, I would hope well, I don't know if this was in your scenario, but you know, the neutral site could be very interesting. Oh yeah. That could be really interesting if they go to a neutral site, if it ends up being, you know, a situation where Buffalo played, you know, because of the no contest or however they're gonna you know uh, record this game on Monday night that they didn't finish make it a neutral site that would be that would be interesting and see what they could do for a neutral site sort of game and you know Buffalo and Kansas City you would think Indianapolis makes a lot of sense to play that game at Indianapolis it's weather yeah. controlled it's inside etc but that would be the other one and I, you know me I'm just I'm just I, I like a little different like oh an AFC championship game at a neutral site okay I'm curious how this goes you know when Buffalo had to play that game in Detroit where Buffalo was the home team and Cleveland was the away team. And then moved went to Detroit. I was curious how that was going to go. Just something different makes me pretty curious. So, um, I mean, the NFL's obviously got to rule on this and rule on this relatively quickly. So, um, we'll see what ends up happening. As you've said, and I'll echo those thoughts, the news about DeMar Hamlin today was just, I mean, I had a lump in my throat, just so happy, mm. uh, you know, shedding yeah. almost tears of joy for for him and his family and for the Bills uh, and the Bills went out to practice after talking to um, DeMar Hamlin's father on Zoom. And the the thought was that the Bills went out there and they just, it was like they had a, a weight lifted off their shoulders that there's sure. still concern about DeMar Hamlin and there needs to be. And our thoughts and prayers have just – they've worked. And, and the Bills medical team saving his life. Hearing more about the situation and what they actually did is just incredible. But hearing from the doctors today – kind of brought it into focus, but it just, the Bills, you know, T. Higgins even, you know, kind of had seemingly a burden kind of lifted off of him. So we'll see how that manifests itself this week as the Bills play the Patriots. And I think the Bengals are finishing with the Ravens um, and what ends up happening. But the NFL's got a rule on something pretty quickly in how they're going to do this.
1: Yeah, it could be tonight. could be any time in the next 10 minutes. Who knows? And can you imagine when the Bills hear from hamlin himself oh my god talk with them they're going to run through walls i mean i think they're going to be a very tough team to stop anyway and that's you know that that is adrian and rocky too i hate to you know draw from a fictional piece there but it kind of uh, it's its own thing obviously it's so serious and we're praying that he comes all the way back as quickly as possible all right next up Andre Johnson goes mano a mano with the Hall of Famers, and John Harris decides who's in. That's what we're doing in rapid-fire fashion next here on Texans Radio.
2: Now, back with more on Texans Radio.
1: All right, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Let's do this. Andre Johnson, a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame Super Bowl week. We find out if he gets in. Didn't get in last year. Got so close. Let's see what happens this year. Johnny, John McClain said that he thought Dwight Freeney and Joe Thomas are locks, right? Darrell so let's. Did I say Dwight Freeney? I said uh, you know why? Because I'm haunted by Dwight Freeney. Yes, he's we in all my are, yeah. nightmares. Yeah, it's uh, Darrell Rivas, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I'll start there. All right, so I'm going to give you a name, and you say between this person and Andre Johnson whether it's a yes. Andre's ahead of him in this vote, in all likelihood. Iffy, meaning 50-50-ish, or no, this guy's probably going in ahead of Andre, you know, at least in order. We all agree Andre deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just yes. wondering when it's going to happen. All right, so let's just say Joe Thomas and Darrell Revis they're in, okay? okay? Yep. Let me go with Dwight Freeney. Dwight Freeney versus Andre, what do you think? And this I, has got to be quick because I want to do them I'm all. A,
2: I know. I, I like Dwight Freeney, but no, Dre. Okay, Rondé Barber. No, Dre. Jared Allen. Close. That's very, very close. It's close, close huh? I, right. I'm still and going he's to go Popular. Dre, yeah.
1: A lot of this is popularity contest, you know. All right, Devin Hester, fellow Miami Hurricane. I think
2: if Devin did more offensively, I think I'd be more apt to push for him. I mean, he's the greatest return guy there's ever been, and there's a spot for him in the Hall of Fame, but not in front of one of the great yeah. receivers of all time like Andre. Torrey Holt. What do you think no. they'll do? No I, no, I agree. No, I I think the yeah. reputation, the great show on turf, but the second guy to go in the Hall of Fame from that team, Jeez. he had Marshall Fall, Kurt Warner, I mean, a receiver. He's the second receiver. I, I, no, yeah. Dre.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: that team is low dead. Albert Lewis, corner
1: with the Chiefs and the Raiders. Dre. Okay. I like this. I
2: like where this is headed. Zach Thomas. It's got to be Dre, right? Yeah, it's Dre. I, I, for some reason, Zach Thomas is, is, I think Zach Thomas is a Hall of Famer. If Reiner Locker's a Hall of Famer, Zach Thomas is a Hall of Famer, but I'm not putting him over Dre. I would have put her locker in front of Dre. Okay, Demarcus Ware. Now, That's Demarcus tough. Ware, I think it should go in. I think he he'd be the third one to me. I was I was shocked he didn't get in last year. Okay. Demarcus Ware is all one of right, the great we'd... pass rushers of all time. I'm going to Marcus Ware as my third pick. All right, so we got three ahead of him. Reggie Wayne, no,
1: Dre. Yeah, I think I think the committee. They're going to look at it like this. Andre Johnson's got to go ahead of Reggie Wayne. He just does. Yes. Again, loaded. It's kind of like the Torrey Holt in a different way. Loaded team, etc. These are interesting. Darren Woodson,
2: Cowboys. Trey. Trey. Played, I was a big Darren Woodson guy. Yeah, I'm Trey.
1: Played in the inaugural Texans game. Uh, Patrick That's Willis, right. linebacker
2: for the 49ers, stopped his career early. Oh, that's the thing, and that's a, that's a hard one because it kind of falls into the Gale Sears, Terrell Davis. Patrick Willis was that good, but I'm not going to put him in front of Dre. Dre's got a full career, full loaded stats, and I just don't know that you can make a case for Patrick Willis where you're going to convince me, yeah, he should go in, in front of Andre Johnson. I do think, even though it's a small body of work, Patrick Willis should go in the Hall of Fame, but I think Dre should go in, in front of him.
1: Super Bowl season, participation wise and uh nsc championship game season for patrick willis and yep. that's it that's the whole list that's andre versus everybody so we basically have this could be so good this could be so exciting please get in yeah the week of the super bowl we find out yes. i mean these are names you know you know why because they're hall of fame candidates we're down to the finalists heck the semi-finalists They're all awesome. If you're on the initial list, you're awesome. Even if you're not on that list, you could be awesome if you're a multi-pro bowler. That's how tough this is. You know, seeing Andre up there and then you and I caught up with him in studio, I kind of got chills over that. I thought, man, we could be right there with this Hall of Fame Texan and the first one to get in, then Waddle get in, and hallelujah. And Don Coriel, who's, listen, this is one of my favorite coaches ever, senior finalist. I am excited about the prospect of air Coriel's architect to get in. All right, Johnny, that's going to do it for the show. I know tomorrow night you've got your keys. What else yes. do we have? Andre Johnson. Well, v- give oh, me the rest boy. of the we show. Have
2: Andre Johnson. We have Larry Overton. We're going to have uh Tremont Smith. Um, I know Drew Doherty is, uh, going to interview with a player and I can't remember who the player is. I didn't, I didn't hear who it was going to be. Um, Maybe it was Grenard. No, he did. He had Grenard last week. So, either way, uh, there will be a couple of players. There will be Lara Overton. We'll hear from Lovey. Uh, you'll get a chance to catch up with him with the pregame interview. So, plenty of stuff for Friday night. And, of course, it's the last Friday night all-access episode of the season. So, I'll try and blow it out best I can. All right. And I'll set up the
1: rest of the lineup for the weekend with the Texans TV stuff and Texans Monday, which will be our last radio day before – The day after the Super Bowl, as we'll go dark for a while, but 6'10 always has your back. Okay, next up, we're going to catch up with some of the things Lovey Smith had to say earlier in the week, and this is good stuff because different listening audience. Nick Casario as well. Andre Johnson, little tease for tomorrow night. What did he have to say about the Texans' rookies? You want to hear this. Also, Tremont Smith, how difficult has this been with the DeMar Hamlin situation going on? Obviously the most difficult for him, but with players around the league and with players in the building at NRG Stadium. It's all coming up here. Thank you, Chris, for producing. We'll keep it going. One more hour, no Thursday Night Football tonight. It's Texans Radio. Texans All Access, hour two on a Thursday, and it's the first hour two on a Thursday we've had all season long because there is no more Thursday Night Football on the campaign with us being in week 18 now, and what a week 18 it's been so far Obviously, the game's scheduled to go on this weekend as planned with what happened Monday night football with DeMar Hamlin going down cardiac arrest. But the news better as the week goes along, and that is a terrific thing to hear. So in this hour, we thought we'd get you caught up on some things you probably missed, including but not limited to some of the things Lovey Smith had to say earlier this week and not related to Hamlin. We heard those comments a bunch this week, but let's get back into the games that were the game that will be on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. And let's start right here. His thoughts on Desmond King. He had a pick on Sunday, one of the bright spots in the loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the kind of campaign King has had and what to expect moving forward here.
0: Yes, Des does a lot for us. You know, he's a returner and he gets a chance to return, you know, ponds for us, um, but he's also, you know, our starting corner and, um, It's about taking the ball away. I think we took the ball away a couple times yesterday. I mean, and we've been one of the best teams at doing that. We've been a top-10 type team for many years doing that, taking the ball away. And This year is the same. It's one of the things. But uh, it's a big part. Dez Interception yesterday, of course, was big. He has excellent hands. You're a returner. You should have good hands. (laughs) Right. He has that, Um, and we'll need that this week. It's always about the turnover ratio. Previous mm-hmm. week, of course, big ones for us. This week, not as many, but we're at least on the board. Coach, I know you don't hate the Colts, kind
2: of like the individual. To like my life, I do. Like he does. He hates the Colts. But this is, has been a rivalry for the last probably 10, 12 years, kind of going back and forth. You tie in week one. Now you face them in the last week. How much different are the teams over those 17 weeks Going into week 18, and how forward do you look to play in the Colts?
0: Well, look forward. They're a division opponent. They don't have as, as much of a history, maybe Mark as you have with them, but uh, we understand the division opponent and how important that is. How much they've uh, uh, improved since then, you know, they've had a difficult season, just like we have, too. A lot has happened, you know, with them, but... Uh, They run the same offense, though. They haven't really changed any of that on what they're committed to, committed to the run still. Uh, They have had a revolving door a little bit at the quarterback position. Mm -hmm. But most of their defense, I think they play good defense throughout the year. The offensive line is pretty much intact. So we know where we're going to get. It's always tough when you go on the road.
1: Well, I was going to ask you about knowing what you're going to get because they are so different, and three different starting quarterbacks, two head coaches, a partridge and a pear tree, not that, but it is just very different in terms of personnel because I'm looking at some of the guys who were making plays or not for them yesterday, and it's a lot of different names. They were there on the depth chart, but it's a different style of play.
0: Yeah, and i say that's the case for a lot of teams. this late in the year. You know, injuries have kicked in and amongst other things, but Mm. just – Defensively, their front is pretty much intact on what we'll see. Darius Lennon hadn't played in a long period of time. Uh, and then offensively, their receivers are healthy now. Of course, Jonathan Taylor's not there, but uh, but they, they are. They still – we watch, start watching video from them. They're They're still running the same offense that they ran earlier. Well, you faced Taylor enough in college, and we've seen enough of them here with the Colts. So we're done with Jonathan Taylor for a little <laughs> while. That's, that's
2: okay. Okay. But they got a Texas boy playing quarterback in Sam Ellinger. And he got, is a guy that at Texas relied on his wheels a little bit. As you face quarterbacks this year, Coach, you've kind of seen all types, but Sam's a little different that they will scheme up some runs for him and do some different things. What are your thoughts about facing a guy that we haven't faced, but we know he's got some definite running skill? And if you focus too much on that, he can throw it as well.
0: Well, that's what you're right. He's uh, each week as we go in, you have to identify what type of quarterback we're playing. And uh, you're right, we're playing a a – of course all the quarterbacks will be able to throw the ball, but uh, he is one that can move the chains with his his feet, with his legs. And so we have to be ready for that. Different game plan. You know, we have teams on their heels a little bit based on who we have at the quarterback position from play to play really. So got to be ready for that if he's a guy
1: along the lines of them being different. I'm going to ask you a question the way Johnny asks me a question. Okay. If you had to pick one tape that you could use to prepare for this game, last week's or the Colts tape against the Giants or week 1 against the Texans, which one would you use?
0: Well, we're going to use both. We're going to look <laughs> yeah. at we're going to look at the first one of course, but I re- we really believe in what have you done lately? Okay. So, we're going to start working our way back from this last game.
2: Yeah, you see the questions. I make them tough on him. They're yeah. a little bit tougher than that when you handle that well. Coach, I know this time of year, whether you're having a great season or whether you're having a tough season, when you're getting to the end of a season, because of how things change in the or whether it's college or wherever, it's a tough life for a coach to live in some sense because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, you know what's going to happen next, whether you're doing well or you're not. How tough is this part of the year for you? being a coach with the number of staff members you have and all that kind of stuff. How tough is it at this part of the year, no matter what's
0: going on? I mean, it's tough, but that's, uh, you know, we, you know, what we sign up for. Yep. That's a part of it at the end of the year. Uh, evaluations. And then you look at your record. Uh, all of those things are just your normal, it's just normal part of end of the year uh, people that are involved in sports. And in our case in football, it's just a part of what it is. And, You look forward to it as soon as you get to that spot, you start moving on, I mean, going forward to the next year.
1: Well, you've been really good about – painting the picture of what's at stake and entering the final three games with those divisional opponents. Coach talked about the AFC South and having a winning record in the division, and that's still on the table for you Let's here on the table as you take on the Colts. That's a big carrot at the end of the year to walk out of that building
0: feeling good about what just happened. Yes, and that's what we're – I mean, it's down to one game, and, of course, uh, we split with the Titans, we split with the Jaguars, and, of course, we have a tie versus the Colts. So getting one more win against that third division opponent is big for us. That's an, If we need some motivation for this last game, of course, that should give it to us. <laughs> well, you, got the, you got that symmetry
2: going. That's the one thing. you know, math guy, that's, I, I like the symmetry, but we can shake it up with a win would be kind of nice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Coach, we're having Jake Hansen on the player show. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about him because I know you have history. At Illinois, here, obviously, he says, well, when he first worked for you or worked with you, you didn't have the beard, Uh, (laughs) but he said very much the same guy, just at a pro level. So you tell us about Jake, college Jake and NFL Jake, because he was a three-time captain at Illinois, and here he is as an undrafted rookie trying to make a name for himself.
0: if If you talk about a guy being a captain that long, it kind of tells you what his makeup is all about. That's what I saw then. Saw so a guy that's from a football family, football is important to his entire family, very supportive that way, very coachable, and he could play. I mean, he mm-hmm. bought into you know, what we were trying to get accomplished on the defensive side of the football. I knew that he would have a career in NFL, would be his, his next stop after college, and uh, he fought through some injuries, so he's gone through, fought through adversity. All those things you need to go, go through he has and just like the way he's playing right now. You know, I like the way a lot of our young players are playing, but really like what some of the uh, Jake and some of the other guys are doing.
2: Coach, I'm taking a second to try and imagine you without the beard. I can't I can't a do long it. Time. I can't <laughs> I can't do it. But along those lines with Jake, but also rookies in particular, first year guys, they've gone from the playing their final game in college, they went right into draft process. They get drafted, they go through right into OTAs. They maybe had a little bit of a break before training camp. They've been going for a while. What's kind of the advice you give to the young guys that have gone through that process when the season ends? What's the most important thing for them to have to do? Is it important to get away for a little bit, yeah. just get football behind them? What do you What do you expect from those guys, or what do you want from those guys? Well,
0: absolutely, there's a thing they need to do is get away, first off. You need to... It's been a long year. Yeah. You're right. You, you mentioned all the things they went through from the end of their college careers. I mean, combine, all-star games, workout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then trying to learn how to be a professional football player. So it's been a long stretch, and there's a period of time. but And then before you know it, all season is starting. But first thing is to get away a little bit and then start getting your mind set for when you're going to start working out again. I think once you start working out, just in general, whether you're an NFL player or not, you never get too far away from taking care of your body and not getting too far away from that, and none of our players will. Well, a lot of them like to work out wherever
1: they're from or with other guys and other trainers and things like that. I imagine some of them can just work out here, but... What do you think of that when they're working out together away in South Florida or here in Texas, but not at the facility and trying to keep themselves in shape or get themselves in shape for the oncoming campaign?
0: I think if you if you live here in town, of course, we have the best uh, facility that you could possibly want to uh, you know train in. So come back here, but at the same time, before all season program starts, if you want to get away a little bit and people live for a lot of different places, you want to travel. Find some place where you can work out. And eventually, though, you need to to come back and get on the routine that, you know, and for us, you know, our Houston Texan routine and let our guys, our strength conditioning staff and nutrition, all the people here get their hands back on you.
1: Is it strange as a coach when you have that period where you can't talk football with them and maybe the strength and conditioning coach is the guy who sort of takes over at that point, but you're not supposed to or allowed to talk football with them until they come back for the offseason conditioning program, right?
0: I don't think it's – I know. I, I think everybody looks forward to that time. They need a break <laughs> from us. We need a break from them. <laughs> yeah. But really to just get away, yeah. I mean, that's the best thing you can do mentally, just to take a mental break from all of that and just you know, unwind, you know, unwind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a must you know, in every offseason. Coach,
2: the CBA has changed over the years. I know when, when you started as head coach versus what it is right now, if there's something that you would like to be, that you would like you and your staff to be allowed to do during the offseason, is there something that stands out more than any other? Would you like to be able to kind of do some, some teaching or some ball or something like that? What, how has it changed, and what would you like to see changed if you could?
0: No, it's changed an awful lot. I kind of like the way we are in offseason really right now. We talk about time away. It's been a long year you know, seventeen games, preseason games. It's been a long year so, uh, to, for the guys to get away. And, you know, we, we haven't been under normal conditions for a period of time. You know, COVID has, you know, seemed like it's not a rearview yeah. mirror now. Uh, but there is enough time for the if the guys come in when all season program starts for us to get everything done that we need.
1: Next up, we'll get you caught up with more of what Lovey Smith had to say this week about the game that will be on Sunday when the Texans take on the Colts, some more off-season planning stuff, and right out of the shoot next, sneak peek at tomorrow's show with Andre Johnson's thoughts on the rookies. What did he have to say about the class of 2022? That and more coming up, Texans Radio. Well, for the first time this year, you get a two-hour show on Thursday night because there's no Thursday night football. It's the only time this year because we'll go dark after Monday until the day after the Super Bowl on Texans Radio. But, of course, Sports Radio 610 always here entertaining you. Speaking of entertaining, Andre Johnson, we visited with him. You're going to hear this on Friday's show, but I'm giving you a little sneak peek here. Andre Johnson's thoughts on the 2022 rookie class. What does he think of Petrie, Pierce, and company moving forward into Texans' future?
4: I like them a lot. I think um, this class, this uh, rookie class, will be the class that kind of, you know, gets this organization headed in the right direction. Um, A lot of talent. uh, And I think this year for them to get the the play time and the reps that they got to get, um, the way that the games went. So all of those things that, you know, you look at that happened this season, those are all learning lessons. Mm -hmm. So now you get to, uh, you know, they come in next year, they'll be way ahead.
1: There's Andre Johnson, pro football finalist. He's going to find out the week of the Super Bowl if he makes it to Canton this year or not. Let's all hope for the best man. That would be so much fun to be in Canton for that and also play in the Hall of Fame game and all of it. I just cannot wait for Andre Johnson to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And again, extended visit with him, Friday night show. You don't want to miss it. It is great stuff. Also great hearing Lovey Smith's thoughts on the offseason. Let's get back into some of the things you might have missed that the head coach had to say this week. And this is about his own personal offseason routine. After that, we'll hear some from Nick Casario.
0: Just like the players, there'll be a period of time where I'm not as uh, uh, disciplined as I probably need <laughs> to be. And that's with what I put in my body and just working out a little bit. But uh, never get that. Too, it's, a life, it's a lifestyle that I've you know, chosen that, mm-hmm. that I stay with pretty much year-round.
1: All right. All right. Well, I've got the Amogee Bank Ask Coach question of the week. Uh, this is about officials, and we don't want to get you in trouble or anything. But take us through, for the fans who don't know, on a game day, when do you meet with the officials prior to the game, and what kind of things are discussed? What can you tell us about those meetings and conversations, Coach?
0: Well, normally on a normal game day, um, the officials, about an hour and a half or so before the game, the officials stop by the dressing room, and I talk with them. They ask questions. You know, I give them the captains. If there are any unusual plays that – or formations that they need to be aware of. Okay. Any concerns that I might have, those things. Uh, then after that, and normally two of the officials come there, the two that will normally be on our sideline for the first half. So we get to know each other a little bit then, even though we all know each other anyway. Um, so that's what normally happens. Once I, now, once I normally come out on the field about maybe an hour before the game, and then I will actually talk to the referee. Then, casual conversation, a little bit. He'll same thing. He'll ask me any concerns you have. Let's have a good game today. That's pretty much it. Once the game starts, we uh, of course we res- you know we respect the officials and the, the job that they have to do. We definitely don't always agree with it, but that's a part of it always. Coach, we were playing Dallas a few weeks back.
2: I guess we were within the ninety minute window. Jaron Kirst, Now he ended up playing the game. But as he was going through warm-ups, he tweaked something. Yes. And he didn't finish warm-ups. If that were to happen for you guys, that's it. I mean, he's just – he yeah. would just – as if he got hurt in a game, you can't bring another guy up at that point even uh, though it's in warm-ups, correct? You, you
0: know, you have to designate the guys that are inactive about an hour and a half before the game. And after that, if something happens, that's on that's, that's, that's it. That's happened a few times on what happened uh, in that Dallas game uh, with us uh, two safeties many years ago. Uh, mm. with that and, uh, but normally, you know, you, you have a couple of different, uh, it would take a couple of different injuries sure. before you really get in the trouble. Yeah.
1: How many voices do you like in the headset? What do you like to hear? And what do you kind of not block out, but tune out in the sense that I don't need to hear that stuff. I need to hear this stuff. What can well, you tell us about
0: that? Well, I mean, modern technology now, I, I really have, everyone is talking. I have going on constantly, really. Now, I can talk to whoever I would like to, or you can cut whoever you don't want to talk to. So there's different channels, like I have a channel for defense. I have a channel for the offense and special Mm -hmm. teams. And then someone up top is looking for, you know, challenges and things like that. So modern technology allows you to do an awful lot nowadays.
1: How do you handle defensive adjustments while the offense is on the field when you sort of want to pay attention to the offense, but you want to fix or adjust something on the defense? How does that go?
0: Well, I, the position coaches handle those. We're okay. constantly talking about it. Mm-hmm. Once our defense comes off, they go to the sideline. Each position – we have one position coach on the sideline for each group. They go through it there. I kind of still hear what they're talking about. and I'm always keeping my mind on what's happening on the field at that time.
1: And these commercial breaks are long, right? You have a lot of time to talk during them. A lot of
0: time doing that, but you have a lot of time throughout, too. That's normal and not much of an issue. People
1: at home are watching a Modelo commercial, and you're going over adjustments. Uh,
2: Okay,
0: we've talked to a football coach. Rolling Stone magazine Oh, this
2: is it. They put out a list of the 200 greatest singers of all time. Mm -hmm. 200 greatest singers of all time. I do this with Mark. I call it gut reaction, okay? I want your gut reaction to numbers one and two. Number one, Aretha Franklin. Number two, Whitney Houston.
0: Uh, Aretha Franklin, absolutely. I'm a little older, so I would, <laughs> I would say Aretha Franklin. Um, there would probably be another group before I would go Whitney Houston. Really? really. Wow. Yeah, I think
1: pure voice Whitney Houston. This got him going this morning cuz I, I said Rita yeah, Franklin that and Whitney's she could like do no way anything. You know, she the, the voice is so good, the range, but I can't argue well, with you know, the When We have
0: a tile behind you like Queen of Soul or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, you get true. on there. Uh Rita was pretty special.
1: It's like talking about who are the best wide receivers in history, right? Some of it is subjective, right? They're kind uh, of I artists.
0: Think most of it is subjective, but okay. uh, subjective for a reason and and, again, a lot of times it can tell you which direction we're going to go. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: number three on the list was Sam Cooke. I remember that. And I remember nine was Otis Redding and ten was Al Green.
0: Yeah, I would, I would go Otis Redding before. I would go Otis Redding, uh, Al Green, and then I would go Sam Cooke.
1: But is Marvin Gaye on the outside of that group?
0: Marvin Gaye and then Marvin Gaye.
1: And then Marvin Gaye. Okay, we uh, got to respect Coach's opinion. Absolutely. Here. absolutely, absolutely, Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck thanks this for week. ML. All right, there's some of the best of Lovey Smith. Before we caught up with him about the Damar Hamlin situation, this is just general stuff from his radio show that you might have missed, and you might have missed this because on Tuesday we had an extended visit with General Manager Nick Casario, and of course. The DeMar Hamlin situation came up big time. And one of the questions Johnny asked, and we'll hear a bunch of this here with Nick Casario, but one of the questions he asked was about getting the players back into the flow, playing professional football after witnessing such a horrifying thing on Monday night, what that's going to be like, things to think about while you're trying to resume the business of the National Football League. What you have to, you can't put yourself in their shoes because we're not, what
5: they do, they're elite players, they're elite athletes, and to be able to go out there and perform at an elite level, um, there's still a human aspect that's involved. So how they feel, what's their mindset, what can we do to help them? Um, I mean, I give a tremendous amount. I happened to be watching some of the coverage last night, and I thought the way that Ryan Clark sort of articulated what was happening from a player's perspective and how eloquent it was under trying circumstances – I thought was absolutely incredible, and it kind of puts in perspective from a player's view. These are the things that they're thinking that they have to go through, and I think as a team, as a staff, you have to be cognizant of some of those things that a player might be going through, and you just have to provide a sounding board. You have to have a certain degree of empathy, and you just have to be able to provide them sort of a sounding board where they can go, and if they they feel a certain way, you have to understand that and do the best you can to modify and adjust accordingly. So it's there's no playbook for something like this. You just have to listen. You have to open your mind. you got to open your heart. And you have to be willing to, I would say, understand and embrace the perspective of the player and what they may be dealing with and how that affects
1: them potentially moving forward as it pertains to to going on the field. As we're all praying for Hamlin's recovery, Nick, in the league, there's a domino effect that can happen schedule-wise and all of that, and everybody's thinking about It's Tuesday, and here's Week 18 coming up. And I know the Texans aren't directly involved, but you never know what happens with scheduling and things like that. How does that stuff go down? The league office is obviously going to decide these things, but they have to get input from teams, and teams have to get input from players, correct?
5: Yeah, the the league, I would say, in these particular situations – They're very thoughtful, I would say, about how they approach it. So they have to take all the variables into the equation. And ultimately, they'll do what they feel is in the best interest of everybody involved. So from a club perspective, that's all we can do is sort of lean on the league um, for their, I would say, guidance. um, And ultimately, whatever decision is made. You just have to be prepared to adjust and handle accordingly, so whatever it is. So they have a a tough job. Uh, The league does a great job, I would say, of communicating and messaging about how things will proceed moving forward. (laughs) On a much, I would say, smaller, smaller scale, Mm -hmm. what we went through in Tennessee, there was some communication and dialogue back and forth, and then ultimately the decision that was made. So I think first and foremost, you're thinking about the individual and the people and the player, and I would say in this case the Buffalo Bills, anything beyond that i think over the course of the uh of the day um and time we'll get a little more guidance and direction and whatever the league decides then you know we'll adjust
2: and handle accordingly nick obviously this is there's no way to transition to something smoothly and so i will try and bridge them if i can but i was thinking about this the other day amongst you know general managers in the league you guys obviously are the only people that know that job in particular how much communication do you have kind of throughout the league just talking about whether it's matters like this or whether it's a scheduling thing or whether it's – how often do you communicate with general managers or people of that ilk throughout the league? It's, it's,
5: it's a good question. It probably varies depending on the time of the year. Let's say when you have – during the offseason and you have opportunities to get together with other people throughout the league, whether it's the Kanban, whether it's the All-Star Games – you may have some dialogue and discussion with some people that you have some familiarity with about, I would say, scheduling, practicing, practice ideas, drills, things of that nature. I'd say in season, there probably isn't as much dialogue, um, but maybe you reach out to somebody about that they've practiced a certain way or you have crossover with, or, hey, what about this? What have you done in this particular situation? So it's probably case by case. I would say it's probably done more, in the off season where you have a little bit more crossover, but as far as in season goes, each team operates a certain way, how they put together the schedule, how they practice, how they meet, um, what to do, I would say in any emergency situation, or what resources do they have available. And then if there's something there that makes sense that you can incorporate into your program, then you certainly consider, I think everybody is kind of looking for best practices. What can we do to improve? What can we do to make strides in certain areas? Um, so, to your question, John, it, it does happen. Yeah. It probably happens at different points of the year on a larger scale.
1: Well, players do to get back in on Wednesday, and you've got a game to get ready for after that with the Indianapolis Colts. It's the final game of the season, Nick. What kinds of things are you looking for after what happened against Jacksonville as we allow ourselves to talk about the game a little bit here and see how it goes?
5: yeah it's been a while since we've played the colts so going back to week one so they've changed from where they started the season to where they are now um let's say from a big picture perspective there's still some core things that uh, i would say have remained the same um so we've changed as well so you kind of have to look at what happened earlier in the year kind of have an understanding and then really look at the last however many weeks of games that the opponent has played and try to get an idea of where they are as a team so um, like I said, they've undergone some change on a larger scale from you know, Coach Reich to going to Coach Saturday. Um, they've had a, a number of changes that they've made personnel-wise in a mm-hmm. player front. So you still have to go through and kind of go through your process and prepare uh, for the opponent and prepare for what you're going to see both uh, personnel-wise and then schematically as well. So um, I'd say as a team, they still have a lot of really good players um, who have played really good football, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um so they're in the you know, top, I don't know, 10 in most categories defensively. So they've, they've played well on defense. Um, they've had a lot of injuries that have affected the, probably what's going on offensively. Um, they've kind of had three different quarterbacks that have played. So it looks like you know Sam's going to play this weekend. Um, Nick played last week, and Matt has played throughout the course of the year. So started the individual players, look at what they're doing from a schematic standpoint and how they're incorporating, I would say, maybe some of the newer players. But there definitely have been some constants and some consistent players. We talked about defensively, I mean, offensively. I mean, Pittman's been a pretty constant, uh, pretty big constant from the beginning. So he's probably been one of their best players. And for the most part, the offensive line has remained intact. They've had some changes to the left tackle. Um, losing Jonathan, you know, has hurt them a little bit. In um, a quarterback situation, they've kind of had multiple guys in there. So kind of look at their team, look at where they are, look at how they're playing. Um, the week one is a little bit of a reference point, but we're 17, however many weeks removed. So it's a little bit of a different team.
1: Texans general manager Nick Casario, and we will hear more from him in the next segment as we visited with him on Tuesday, the day after the DeMar Hamlin cardiac arrest on Monday. The news much better as the week progresses. That's good stuff. No Thursday night football tonight. Saturday football scheduled, obviously. Sunday scheduled. Texans at the Colts at noon. And we'll get into that more with Nick, among other things, next here on Texans Radio. Hitting the final segment here on Texans All-Access tonight with a no Thursday night football night. And we'll have more Texans All-Access Friday night at 6 with special guest Andre Johnson. And also in that show, the Deep Slat interview with Traymon Smith. That'll appear. So let's hear a little tease from that as DP City catches up with Traymond and they're talking about the week that was and is with everyone having a great deal of attention, prayers, thoughts on the DeMar Hamlin situation.
6: Traymond, obviously not a typical game week like you guys have normally had. So what has this week been like for you personally, just as you sort of process the news with everything that happened with uh, DeMar?
4: Um, it just, it's, it's hard, you know, it's just real tough. And I just, I look for updates every second, like just to make sure he's doing okay. And it's just still prayers prayers, and thoughts go to him and his family. But I've just seen some good news from him, so that's Moses, good news is always good.
6: Sure, that's so encouraging when we do get those little bits of news. Right. Were you watching the game when it happened? Did you see it live?
4: I had just came back from the store, so I just missed it. But okay. And I watched the play over, and it would make me sick to my stomach because it was just so routine. Like it was such a routine tackle, routine play it looked like, and that's how scary it can get. Like just a blink of an eye. So
6: I know Lovey had talked about you guys did not did not practice then you Wednesday, had a day yeah. off, but. Everyone got together and shared their stories about playing with Damar Hamlin. Several of your teammates had played with him at the collegiate level, Sorry. high school, and even in the pros. What was that like? Did that sort of help sort of move the process along a little bit?
4: Yeah, and it still was saddening just to see them go, knowing they really going through it. I knew of him, but I just I didn't know him. Like I didn't play with him or anything. I just knew of him. But we got a couple mutual friends. But yeah, just to see what they was going through, and I I can't imagine the feeling they felt when they did see that on national TV. So it's it's sickening.
6: Uh, obviously, you got one more game left to play. So now, how do you turn the page and get ready for Indianapolis? It seems like the routine sort of come back a little bit for you players around the building as we've gotten news of Demar Hamlin getting a little bit better. But what is that like for you as you prepare for this final game? We
4: still just got to play it like like before that that freak accident happened. You know, you, you, if you get the if you go out there and you think too hard, I feel like that's when bad things go wrong. So just to we just got to just do, know what we're doing and. Just go out there and still play fast and physical.
1: There's Tremont Smith, who you will see on Sunday. One more time for the 2022 Texans to try to get a victory, try to get their third victory of the year. By now you know. Draft order situation. Look, we can't avoid this kind of talk. So let's just have the talk. Texans currently have the number one pick in the draft if the season ended today. Chicago, number two. The Texans cannot pick any lower in the draft than second with that first pick that they'll have in the first round. They also have Cleveland's pick, as you know. Cleveland currently selecting 12th, but that can change as they will take on the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend. Go Pittsburgh! Now, for the Houston Texans, if the Texans win and Chicago loses, then the Texans will pick second in the draft. They'll have three wins. Bears have three. Texans have that tie, which skews the winning percentage in their favor meaning they're the quote better team than chicago even though they lost head-to-head doesn't matter in this case that tie changes everything so the texans would pick no lower than second if the texans and chicago do the same thing this weekend they both win they both lose well then the order stays the same as the texans will have the first selection in the 2023 draft and that will take place in kansas city of course nick casario and company will be here in houston And we'll follow it all along. You know how we do our draft coverage. All right. Speaking of Nick, one more snippet here from our visit with the general manager of the Houston Texans as the Texans take on the Colts on Sunday and Sam Ellinger gets the start. And Johnny Harris asked Nick about facing Ellinger Hey, you never know who you're going to face, right? Coaches don't have to tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It looks like it's Ellinger. But, man, the Colts are a lot different than they were on opening day. The Texans are a lot different. How does the general manager see the situation?
5: Yeah, you have to prepare for everybody. So everybody that's on the team, that's on the active roster, you have to prepare for. There might be some players on the practice squad who have been elevated. So you have to kind of look at where they are, maybe from an injury standpoint, who's available. So just offensively, there's certain things that Sam does maybe better than Nick does. So what they do with Sam in those particular situations, how you want to defend those plays, how you want to handle those plays, you certainly have to be ready for those. So um, And the running backs, I mean, really, it's sort of turned over to some degree. They traded Naheem um Heinz Jonathan's on IR so then they have let's say three backs that weren't even either on the team or hadn't played that much so I think understanding the personnel understanding that player's strengths understanding their weaknesses understanding how they've used the player within the scheme of what they're doing offensively change the play caller so all those things you have to factor in um do you trust the information all you can do is prepare for the team and prepare for the players just have an understanding of when that player's in the game some of the things that he does well and they might try to cater some things that accentuate what that player does well
1: how important is it you have one opportunity here to bounce back from the performance against jacksonville for all the individuals involved and collectively as well how important is that
5: yeah i think the big thing is just want to try to go out there and play good football try to play good consistent football try to do things that um, are required to win uh, this particular week so once we identify you know, what we have to do on each side of the ball, offensively, defensively, in the kicking game, then go out there and try to execute those things at a good level. So um, I think everybody's disappointed about what happened against Jacksonville. We didn't play very well. Um, but now we have to turn the page like we do every week and get ready for the next opponent and the next challenge in front of us, which are the Colts and some of the, the problems that they present.
2: So I think I'm contractually obligated to ask you about rookies, but I'm going to ask you about future rookies and that being – Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, those kind of things. I would imagine, Nick, you've already talked about being prepared for that, but we're getting ever so close to those opportunities where you get a chance to see these players up close. How much more preparation goes in from from your angle to kind of get up to speed of who you're going to see at those traditional All-Star games? Yeah, once the season
5: is over, you kind of shift to sort of team building mode. Um, we've gone through kind of an initial round of meetings here in December, um, identifying some of the needs and some of the different traits and characteristics that we need to maybe dig a little deeper on and study a little bit more, not necessarily on the field, but maybe some of of things from a football character background standpoint Um, the all-star games are gonna start to kick into gear here actually even next week some of the I would say uh, other all-star games that are a part of it uh, PA CGS I mean there's a number of things and then at the end of the month in January you have the east-west and that'll transition into the senior bowl so Essentially, just kind of shift gears here a little bit and start the team building aspect of the offseason. So, um, you know, we'll devote a lot of time and resources to that endeavor. Um, The underclassmen will factor in here as well. I think there's been about 55, 60 players that have officially come out and declared make themselves eligible for the draft. They have up until, I want to say the 16th or 17th, officially declare. So once the bowl games are finished up here, you may see a few more declarations. So a few more players going into the pool. There's some players that are either going to go back or have said they're, going to tr- they're in the transfer portal. So you may have thought that player was going to come out. You may have done some work during the fall, and now they're going to go back to school, no problem. All right, put them to bed here for a little bit, and let's focus on the group here that are going to make themselves available for the draft here in April.
1: All right, the unofficial official AFC Championship game is AFC South Championship game. I got to be clear on that is Saturday night. Jacksonville hosting Tennessee. What do you think of the matchup? Yeah, I mean it's probably the two best teams in the division. You know, playing for the for the
5: division championship. So, um, kind of look at the arc of those two teams. Um, it's kind of been a tale of two seasons for both mm-hmm. teams. So Tennessee started well, kind of had a rough patch here, but they still have an opportunity. And then Jacksonville kind of started slowly, and now they've won, I don't know, it's four or five games in a row, and they put themselves in a position to play for a championship. So really that's all you're trying to do as a team and as an organization to put yourself in a position to give yourself an opportunity to extend the season. So I think it'll be a a good matchup, two uh, two good teams, two well-coached teams, and the team that plays the best, the teams that makes the least amount of mistakes, the teams that executes best situationally. Um, that's the team that's probably going to end up with the victory um, on Saturday. So it should be an interesting game to watch. Um, We know the teams well, um, but it's the two best teams in the division that are playing for a championship for the right to advance and play um, meaningful football here in January.
1: Nick, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck this week. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, there's some of our visit with general manager Nick Casario from earlier in the week. We were a bit subdued. The DeMar Hamlin story had just broken the night before the cardiac arrest on the field, Monday Night Football at Cincinnati, and the news better as the week progresses, which is so awesome. I got chills today thinking about he writing the question, did we win the game or not, when he woke up. That is unbelievable stuff, and let's just hope things continue to move in the right direction. We're praying for that. All right, playoff picture stuff. You're tuning in right now thinking, Where's Thursday Night Football? There is no Thursday Night Football this week, and that was origi- originally planned. This is not a canceled game or a postponed game or anything. There was no Thursday Night Football set for Week 18. There will be Saturday football for Week 18. Now, I'm going to stay out of the AFC top seed picture because that obviously has a lot of moving parts to it. The AFC South title game, you know it's this weekend with the Jaguars and Titans playing. Now, the winner wins the AFC South, right? Right. But the Jaguars can still get in with some help, even if they lose. I will explain how. The Titans have no other hope. They've got to win this game with Josh Dobbs starting. The Jags can still get in if the Dolphins, Patriots, and Steelers all lose. Now that's kind of far-fetched, but stranger things have happened. The Dolphins playing the Jets, the Patriots playing the Bills, and the Steelers are playing the Cleveland Browns. If they all lose and the Jaguars lose, They are in. That's why it was important for the Jaguars to win this past Sunday. People thought, well, they don't really need the game. Yeah, they did, because they had a way in, even if they lose the game to Tennessee in week 18. So they're hoping to get in with the win over the Titans and win the division and all of that and have a winning record for the first time since 2017. We'll see how it goes for them. All right. Other seven seed in the AFC possibilities this weekend. This is going to be fun to follow because the Patriots get in with a win over the Buffalo Bills or if the Dolphins, Steelers, and Jets all lose, And the Jaguars win. Okay, you got that? We'll have a quiz on this later. So they need a lot of things to happen if they lose to the Bills, but they can still get in. The Dolphins get in with a win against the Jets and a Patriots loss to the Bills. Now, look, if they take care of business against the Jets, they are in as long as the Bills beat the Patriots, and who knows how the Bills are going to be this weekend. The Steelers, if they beat the Browns and the Dolphins lose... And the Patriots lose, they're in. So that's not so far-fetched, right? The Jets-Dolphins thing, I don't care what the records are, who's in, who's out. That's always a real tremendous rivalry and hotly contested affair, so we'll see how it goes. And we mentioned the Jaguars' situation. They could still get in with a loss. Uh, AFC North, I'm going to stay out of that stuff again because of the situation with Damar Hamlin, and we'll see how they adjust as we head into the weekend. With the NFC... Eagles up for a top seed, 49ers up for the top seed, Cowboys up for the top seed. Let's get into the seven seed stuff. I'm not going to go over the top seed scenarios here. But the seven seed, the Packers are in if they beat the Lions this week. Now, the Lions get in if they beat the Packers, but they need the Seahawks to lose to the Rams or tie. I'm going to keep the ties out of this. So they need the Seahawks to lose to the Rams. That's going to be tough. Man, the Rams, do they have anything left? Is there more Baker Mayfield magic in the night? And they also need a couple of other things. I'm not going to get into all that. And the Seahawks clinch with a win against the Rams and a Packers loss or a tie versus the Lions. Again, we'll have a quiz on this later. And there's other stuff as well that could get the Seahawks in. So in other words, there are a lot of possibilities. There's a lot to watch for this weekend. And I think for the Houston Texans, you have a rare opportunity to beat the Colts. There have only been three victories for the Texans in Indianapolis in the history of the franchise. That's amazing. Got to find a way to correct that. 2018, 2016, 2015, that's it. There have been six other victories against the Colts. They've all been at NRG Stadium. Nine times the Texans have beaten the Colts in 21 years of play. This is game two of the season series. You know what happened in the first game. It was a tie. So, yeah, there's one tie in the series. but. You want to get a coveted win up there. I don't care about draft positioning right now. We'll see how it goes. And I want the rookies to get into the offseason with a little oomph. We played to that Andre Johnson cut earlier. I know not all the rookies are available here and the second-year guys as well. I'd love to see Nico out there. I'd love to see Damian Pierce out there. You're not going to see it. But the guys who are out there leave with a good feeling, good momentum going into the offseason, get a fresh class in here, and really build – for 2023 and beyond for the Houston Texans. And tomorrow night, we're going to have a Texans All-Access program. That'll be at 6. Andre Johnson is our special guest to start it off. We'll also have Traymond Smith and a bunch of other things available for you. And programming notes, final episode of Texans Extra Points is Saturday at 1035. Sean Pendergast and I are the guests. Drew Doherty, the host, we will go over everything related to the Colts game and other stuff Also, Texans 360 on that night and Texans game day, Sunday morning, 1030 on KPRC NBC2 and Texans inside the game. The final voyage of that 1035 on Sunday night. So we'll have a quiz on the playoff positioning and on our programming. Just kidding. Texans Monday on the radio. It'll be our final Texans Monday until the day after the Super Bowl. Then we start getting going with Texans All-Access again weeknights at 6. But Texans Monday, 8 a.m. in the Lovey Smith Show, 5 p.m. on Monday to wrap up the season of Texans Radio. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great evening, and go Texans!